This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and we're going to do a podcast, a true crime podcast on Juan Sanchez. And Juan has, like, I'm not impressed a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, my girlfriend mentioned the other day. I'm saying what she actually said to me. She said, "She goes, boy, you you really like this guy." I go, he's got an amazing story. And she goes, she said, "I think you got a little man crush on him." I said, "I if I was a woman, I said I would." This guy is so charismatic. I said I, I would have his children. I mean, his story and he's he's super charismatic. And I know you're like you're like hate hearing yeah, that, but I, I think it's, it's the accent that gets to him. It, it, it's a that I think that's what that's what it is. Well, thank God I said girlfriend. Oh I yeah, girl, my girlfriend. Because otherwise, it'd be like I knew it. Anyway, so great story, and uh, it's it's actually um, it's a uh, he's got a fraud story, and so let's get let's get right into it. Okay. So Juan, where were you born? I was born in uh, Spain, as a matter of fact, but I'm not a Spanish citizen. I was born there by mistake, and uh, I was raised in Venezuela. Until right. I was about 16 that I came to the United States. So you're a Venezuelan citizen. I'm a Venezuelan citizen. Yeah. Right. I became a permanent resident here. So I was a resident for many, many years until I got convicted of my crime. Right. So so you came to the United States at 16. Went to school? or Went to high school. Okay. Uh, from high school, I did some college. Right. And uh, But uh, it was difficult to do college and party. Right. So I ended up choosing, making the wise choice and party my way through, you right. know, college. And then I became uh, involved in the world of finances and real estate. Okay. At a very young age. Right. And what, so did you, were you a real estate agent or? So there is a, there is the background story behind my behavior pattern, I guess. I, uh, I, I found an industry that taught me how to use my talents. And I figure timeshare would be the right place to be. You know, it's a, it's a high-pressure sales pitch. People come there for two tickets to Disney. 90 minutes later, they're in debt for $40,000. Right. So if I wanted to sharpen my persuasion skills, that was the place to be. So I worked for timeshare for many years. And uh, I developed training programs. To, you know, I trained the salespeople. I became a very good speaker. And my next step was uh, I decided to open real estate schools throughout the state of Florida. But you weren't doing real estate. No. You were doing timeshare. I was out of timeshare. But it was still sales-based. But it was still sales-based. So I figured, being that I'm bilingual, the Spanish market has always been a subscene market. It's an ignored market. So it was real estate was beginning to boom. We're talking about 2000, uh, 1999, 2000, before the, the Twin Towers. And I opened the first real estate school in Spanish in the state of Florida. I actually ended up opening seven of them. Is this in where Orlando, Orlando, or Miami, Tampa, Jacksonville? I mean, where there were Hispanic people, I was there teaching. Okay. And I licensed all these people, but I realized that uh, these people wanted to learn how to sell. And I said, "Man, I'm your guy. I'll teach you how to sell it, right. timeshare style. Right. We're not gonna go showing houses. What you're gonna be doing is you're gonna be closing these people on the sale." And, uh, and I developed my own team of salespeople, hundreds of salespeople. 
So I became a broker and uh, the rest is history. I had hundreds of people selling for me. And, All right, uh, that's it. That's the podcast. We're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, would it be great if that was the so, end of the story? So I still don't understand why at the time, <laughs> you know, I was just a guy teaching people how to sell. And uh, I became very good, very good, very sought after. I mean, uh, developers were coming to me and, and giving me their whole projects. And uh, out of the sudden, uh, the market crashed. And uh, we, it began to crash. We're talking about now 2006, okay. 2005. You know, loans were getting a little difficult. Right. Uh, people were getting greedy, kind of where we're at right now. And uh, the cashback frenzy started. And uh, there were properties that were not being sold. Whole complexes, hundreds of apartments. So the developers will come to me and say, would you mind partnering up with us? You'll be the broker. You develop the sales strategy and sell us out. And I was, of course, I was a developer without having to build anything. Right. And I did condo conversions. Okay. And I will go in and just liquidate them. I will bring bus loads of people. They will come down. They will buy each three, four apartments. And then they will walk away. But I never had contact with the salespeople. What made my operation really cool was that I had all these salespeople that were trained to do this. Wait, they would buy the properties and walk away. You walk away from the loan, stop making the payments. Well, what happened is these people, because obviously we start, we had, in order to compete, we had to do the cashback right. deals yeah, that yeah. everybody was doing. That is happening right now. Again. Right, right. So, so to, to, convince, to, so to convince a borrower to buy a property that they are not really interested in, they don't really want. So you say, hey, look, if you buy the property, if you come, you sign the documents, you give us the W-2s, pay stuff, you qualify for the loan, you get it, we'll give you 30 grand or 20 grand 30, and you okay. can leave. And, and listen, uh, or you could use that money and with the hopes that the property keeps going up, which is kind so of where we're at. So do you rent them out? Or huh? do they rent them out? They rent you? them out. Okay. They were renting them out. Okay. But what happened is the market crashed. The market collapsed. Nobody, their loans stopped happening. You know, I remember we, at one point we had 60 properties. They still happening. 60 properties waiting to close in the same complex. Right. And the title company called us and said, listen, the bank said no. You're not closing any of them. And I said, oh my God, this is, this is not happening. Right. And it began to happen everywhere, everywhere. And uh, properties started to go down in value. If you cannot move inventory, inventory starts dropping. Right. And we had clients that had bought apartments at $250,000. Six months later, that apartment was worth $190,000. $190, and uh, they figured, you know, I'm not going to pay for this apartment anymore. Plus, I got $40,000 in the closing table anyways. Right. The whole economy is crashing. I got forty grand I, I got in my pocket. 40 grand and Why I would I spend it, it on? Listen, and I have this nice boat that I bought with the forty grand that right. I was supposed to use to pay the mortgage. And uh, that's when, uh, you know, they started looking at me. Right. Because they started looking that there was a pattern of behavior here. This is that, the uh, FBI or? At that point, it was, they opened a task force and it was called, technically it was the IRS at that point, but they, they kind of branched out and it's like the Financial Housing Administration Department. Of, they, they, made a, they made it very, very long. So it was very hard to remember. Right. And they approached me in 2007. They approached me in 2007 and they said, listen, we want you to talk about uh, these loans. And uh, at that time, I uh, had retained counsel. And my counsel said, listen, if you don't know anything, you don't know anything. And well, I said, I don't know anything. Where's the money coming from for all this? Is this, I mean, at some point, this is money laundering. 
Well, what, at that was it were had the Venezuelans? not yet because they are they are buying and selling a product. Okay, so right now it's just bank to it's bank, bank. to consumer, bank to developer. Correct. However, some of these, a couple of these clients that came in were foreigners okay. from Venezuela specifically, right? And these clients saw their investments go down in flames, right? So they reached out to me and they said, "Listen, buddy, we invested with you, and we lost our money." Uh, we're basically going to either get our money back from you or we're going to kill you right. and your family. And we're going to send you some That's, evidence. These, these, these aren't normal borrowers, by the way. Because in the United States, like I've had borrowers that have bought three or four properties and then they, you know, they lost, they, the, they went into foreclosure, people, they couldn't rent them out or whatever. And, and not once, not once did anybody, I've never actually had my life threatened. Not once. Well... They were angry buyers. They were angry buyers. Okay. They were angry buyers. So they sent me a video at one point, which was a, a, of uh, an you, image you, in a Venezuelan picture, listen, prison. No, no, listen, and, who were these buyers? Well, these buyers were people that worked for the Venezuelan government. Okay. So these yeah. were high up. And the Venezuelan government is very much like the United States government. Like there's very little corruption. And there's... Oh, there's very organized. Very, very organized. organized yeah. very, these aren't like almost like legal thugs. And, and, and we're talking about... Not that high level yet. This is this is more like prosecutors and judges and, and people in the judici- Venezuela judicial system. Right, and, and it's basically there's, but there's still a lot of corruption. And oh, it's horrible. It's basically there. It's basically Venezuela. The if you're if you work for the Venezuelan government, you're, it's basically like a mob run type. It's like it's like Russia. It's like the these guys are getting to the top because they have the brutal. power. Right, the brutes have the power. Right. So, so this happens, and I get these threats, and I got a video, which, which uh, I spoke with you a while ago about it. It was, right. uh, it was uh, they decided to make an example out of somebody. Right. So they, they, they hired some inmates within the prison, and they told them they had to take turns raping this guy and dismember him. Right. And put it, make sure they put it on video, though. So they sent me the video saying, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't fix this problem. And uh, obviously, that was a good persuasion. Right. Technique, because I said, well, how can we fix this problem? Right. But I mean, look, like the video, literally, they video them raping the guy. Video, uh, and like, the guy, they're screaming your name or something. Don't they say your name? Well, the guy, there's somebody saying, this is what's going to happen to oh. you if you don't behave. Okay. So kind of like this pod, it was a pod, right. it was a podcast on its own. But, uh, you know. It was just a little little lower budget. Yeah, it was a little lower budget right. and uh, perhaps not a YouTube kind of channel. Yeah, yeah. So, and so then they sent you the video. You re- So what did you think when you watched the well, video? Well, I, I reached out. I said, listen, obviously I don't want to get raped and dismembered. Yeah. Uh, is there anything we can do to avoid this situation, you know? And they said, yeah, this is what we need you to do. We need you to help us. How much money had they lost at that point? <sighs> a few hundred thousand. Right, okay. A few hundred thousand. And they said, uh, we need you to help us. We need you to help us, and we're going to tell you some things that you're going to have to do. And so this is money that. that they sent you money. This isn't money they borrowed from the bank. This is their oh, money. No, this is their money. Okay, this is their money, money coming from Venezuela. Are not, banks are not closing, so, so these are cash deals. These right. are deals that are actually closing in an economy that nothing is closing. Right. So for us, it was kind of like breathing room, you yeah. know? So, of course, they start extorting me. Uh, you know, this is what you have to do. For us, otherwise we're gonna kill you. This is what you have to do. So I get weaved into this financial movement of, uh, and, and some of those cases are still open. So there's a lot of details that are I yeah, have yeah. to leave out in the story. But uh, but there's there's a lot of movement of money, a lot of movement yeah. of money. And then 
as, as, a, as I get indicted, I don't know that this is going on. So obviously I get indicted on my case of my crime, which is mortgage fraud. Right. And then a year later, I find out that uh, there is this explosion of uh, money laundering coming from Venezuela and my name, my name is being bounced around. And uh, the government basically one day goes and visit me. Uh, some uh, three-letter agencies that are. Well, wait. You you've been have you been arrested? You said you were. I was ha- arrested on my case. Okay, how'd that happen? Well, my indictment is my, my my process was a little different, you know, on the sense that they they reached out to me in two thousand and seven. Uh, uh, bad counsel, bad information. I decided to let them do their job instead of me. Instead of going in and cooperating, going and cooperating and saying, look, this is what happened. Let me work with you. Correct. Let me listen. Mitigate the, uh, the damage that's going to happen. Correct. So everybody else chose that except me. <laughs> I was the only guy that said no. Uh, because my attorney told me, we got these guys. We got them where we want them. Okay? It's like a guy punching you and, 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 and your coach telling you, man, your head can handle this thing. Don't worry about it. Keep hitting him with the head. Yeah. So four and a half years later, I'm now in New York City, moved from Orlando. I have closed all my real estate offices. I'm now working selling art, okay, for nice. a for a photographer. All right, I didn't and, know that. Okay. Yeah, all right. And I'm a Peter Leak, and I'm uh, making all this money selling art, you know. And I'm a New Yorker. I'm riding my my subway, and uh, I'm dating this girl at that time. Of course, she doesn't know. And and you'll appreciate this. Most most people that you start dating while you're being investigated by the feds is not something you want to disclose on the first day. Not on the first day. You know, like listen, don't make long term plans with me because I may end up going to prison. Right. Okay. Right. Let's live on the now. <laughs> so I have an argument with her on Sunday. And on Monday, I say, Listen, come to the apartment. I think we you know, there is no need to be upset. She walks into the apartment, I order Chinese food, uh, she's sitting on the couch. I get a knock on the door, you know. Chinese delivery guy comes in, give him the money, he gives me the food, he walks away, and I hear this banging on, bang, 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 bang. And my first thought was, man, I didn't tip the Chinese guy. Right. But this guy is like super angry. Right. You know? So I'm looking at the bill, and I tell my girlfriend at the time, I said, listen, I'm going to give this Chinese guy a piece of my mind. I open the door, and I feel two hands reaching out and pulling me out of the apartment. Boop. And there is an YPD. And of course, you know, you, you know how it is. And if anybody's <laughs> watching this, this is a whole production, you know. I have cops going up the stairs and cops oh, yeah. going down the stairs. And NYPD is looking at a picture of me yeah. and looking at me. Yeah. You're a nonviolent. I'm a nonviolent yeah. white collar criminal. And you've got 30 guys here it's good with to know guns that, out. That your tax money is going to, yeah. to the good right place. And they're like, Juan Sanchez, yeah, you have a extradition order to Florida. You're under arrest. And then the agent that I had interviewed years ago came out from behind the line of cops. And he said, uh, you thought I wasn't going to get you, right? And I looked at him and I said, no, I knew you would. I knew sooner or You're later. Good. You were, yeah. You're yeah, good. Yeah. You're good. buddy. So I ended up on uh, my journey. I, got, I went to Brooklyn Detention Center. In which I experienced my first stabbing experience, which was three days into it, a rapper stabs another guy in the middle of the unit, and I'm sitting there, and you know, as this guy's stabbing the other guy, my cellmate is telling me, "Hey, hey, you gotta get some ice. You gotta get some ice." And I'm thinking they're like, "Ice for the guy? 
Right. Like, no, 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 we're going to get locked in, man. You need some ice so you can drink some cold drinks. And I'm thinking, these guys are insane. Yeah, they're preparing for the lockdown already. Yeah, right. and all the guys saying, everybody to the shower, everybody to the shower. We got a shower before they lock us down. And there's this guy bleeding on the floor. And I'm like, man, this is not going to be pretty. Yeah, I told you the guy, I had a guy die in front of my cell one time. I literally stepped over him to go heat up my coffee because I knew they were going to lock us down. Like, yeah. didn't even, by that point, it wasn't even like, these people are so interchangeable and they're just, they're like furniture. Like Listen, you, you, I've seen people taking shoes off people that are down because, hey, these, these are my shoes. So I don't want this guy to go away in the hospital with my shoes, you know, I need to play full. So it's just, you are desensitized. You're yeah. just, you know, numbed. Right. So I started in Brooklyn and they, they worked me all the way down to Miami. Right. In which uh, I proceeded to plead guilty to, I think, three bank counts fraud, bank of fraud, bank fraud and wire fraud. And, bank fraud, yeah. bank fraud, wire, money laundering. Yeah, I know that's I signed, a, I signed an 18-year plea and I got sentenced to 15 years. And my attorney, my attorney, listen, since if anybody sees this, I'm going to put the name out there because this is, this is insane, Okay. Wait, Francisco this- Lopez was this guy's name. <clears throat> and he spoke Spanish. And my family hired him because he spoke Spanish. And I kept telling my family, I speak English. Why do you need a guy that speaks Spanish? And they kept telling me, well, so we can communicate with him. And I'm like, well, it's not about you. Shouldn't he want to talk to the judge and be able, you know? So I remember the first time he went in front of the judge and he's like, well, your honor. I said, oh my God. I'm in trouble, bro. They hired Ricky Ricardo to defend me. So I play 18 years. I play out to 18 years. They sentenced me 15 years, 180 months. And I get shipped to uh, Coleman. Coleman Low. Wait, 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 wait. We're, 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 we're skating over yeah. some stuff. Like, well, like. Well, I mean, what, what would you, what, what would you want to know about my process? I mean, <laughs> I mean, bro, I mean, while you're in, in, the, the guy that comes into the airport, the Venezuela. Oh, no, that's later. Oh, it's later. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's I didn't know. Later. I was like, what yeah. are you doing? No, no, no. So I didn't know. The, I don't know the whole timeline. So go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. I'm, do- I'm down to 15 years. Okay. I'm down to 15 years. That's right. You and came to Coleman and then you go ahead. And then they brought you. me back. Okay. Now yeah. I when remember. I came to Coleman, I had 15 years on me and that's when I met you. Right. And Coleman is a little different because they, you know, they don't only care about your race, but you are also... You're segmented by crimes. So I come into Coleman and somebody goes, what are you here for? And I said, fraud. And the guy goes, how much? I said, $39 million. And he goes, how much time did you get? Look, by the way, you know, you say $39 million. Do you understand that how minor you made it sound prior well, to that? Like you said, and <laughs> some guys, you just said $100,000. When I said the dollar amount, you said $100,000. How did they get to $39 million? Because they they... What they did is they used all the money that was in, in a specific development, all the money that was made on that development. So that money had been borrowed or given. Given by, or borrowed by different people. A lot of them in Venezuelans. And some American investors okay. and some banks. And, uh, but they, they, what they considered was the loss of, of that property specifically. So then when was all, the properties, million. all the properties go into foreclosure, did they add the total or did they take away... Oh no! It was the, whatever the was lent. Total, yeah, whatever total. was lent. Thirty-nine million dollars. Even though after it was sold, ten million dollars, twenty million dollars may have been sold off, and it's really only a loss of nineteen million. They hit you for the whole. And at that time, 39. my attorney was like this, and it doesn't matter. You don't want to fight that. 
you know, I'm like, okay. Whatever. Yeah, you do. Of course you do because I didn't understand you get sentenced based on that. Yeah. Okay. So, so I got 39 million and they go, how much time you got? I said 15 years. So you always have the guy in prison that wants to make sure you didn't cooperate. Yeah, yeah. He's so calculating. He's, he's at, he's like, okay, 39 million, that's level two and you're a first time offender. Okay. You're about the right range. Yeah. You're good. You are going to sit with those guys. You see that guy over there? I'm like, yeah, he's a fraudster. Talk to him. Well, his name is Matt Cox. And I said, all right. So that's when I met you. And I said, listen, they talk, you know, they said to talk to you. I guess you're here for fraud. And, and we started talking and you're like, dude, you know what you're talking about. Because fraud is, yeah. a, is an industry, contrary to what most people may believe. And, uh, and uh, we have our own lingo and our own terms. And, and you get the guys that go processes. in there and they say they're there for fraud. And they're not there and for fraud. And they're not for fraud. Correct. Right. And so they very quickly, you talk to me for, for three minutes about fraud or, bro, or uh, real estate or anything in, in my industry. Like, I'm very quickly going to be like, okay, this guy doesn't know. It. This guy's full of it. He's full of it. He I mean, like it. his girlfriend says, there is like when you meet that one person and they can finish your sentences. It, that was kind of like what happened with us because we'll be saying like, well, you know, and you go to the courthouse and you file and I'll say like, a satisfaction on mortgage. Right. And Matt would be like, exactly. So we knew exactly what was going on. And, and, and it, was, uh, it, was, it was really cool because I said, okay, there's obviously people here that know about my crime and know about the industry and, and I feel comfortable, you know? Right. So I'm doing some time and then I get called back into Miami. Right. Where my case is from because there's a new development now. There is uh, some people that are, are interested in talking to me about these Venezuelan characters that at one point or another invested with the salespeople that I had under me. Wait a minute. You you missed the part about going back to Venezuela. Oh well, but that's gonna that's gonna come in in a, in the because this is when I started talking to them and they know all this oh, stuff. Okay, so you're gonna mention it. Yeah, okay, you gotta talk about that. That's that's because I I, I go, you know, I, I, I'm I'm talking to these new agencies that come and talk right. to me and they say, Listen, we wanna talk to you about certain people that you have dealt with in Venezuela. And at that point I retain a new attorney. Okay. Well, and, how, uh, how did you pay for the new attorney? This so, is so brilliant. This is amazing. This is amazing. I, I, I'm in Miami and I'm, I'm, I got 15 years and I have this new development. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do like 180 years. And I tell somebody, listen, uh, I need help. And he goes, oh, talk to my attorney. Listen, I used to be a Medicare fraudster. Look at me. I got six years. My attorney is great. I said, dude, I need your attorney. Yeah. He said, what's the name? He goes, his name is Paul Petruzzi. Perfect. So I reach out to Paul Petruzzi and uh, he comes down and uh, he tells me, well, talk to me about Venezuela. So I'm talking to him and he goes, and you know all these people? And I said, yeah. And he goes like, no, 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 no. Them. I said, I have their emails that they sent to me saved on my computer. He goes, that's phenomenal. He said, listen, you have a great opportunity here and you're either going to get indicted on that case or you have to be able to play your cards right because they, they need you. I said, well, how much is it going to cost me for you to represent me? He said, well, it's going to cost you $45,000. I said, well, dude, we have a situation. I said, I don't have any money. I already paid an attorney that screwed me. The feds took everything I had. I mean, but when I get out, I'm amazing. I'm an amazing salesperson. I can pack your office. He goes, well, that sounds great. How about we talk about it in 15 years when you get out? Right. And I'm like, listen, no, whoa, listen, man, give me a chance. He said, well... I'll come back in a couple of days. 
I go up to my unit and I talk to the guy. I say, listen, what do I do? He goes, pray. You need to go to your cell and you need to pray. And I said, uh, okay. And uh, then God is going to give me 45 grand? He goes, maybe. Maybe. It's happened before. I said, all right, I'm game. So I go to my cell and I pray. Man, and the next day I go, I got it. I got it. So I call a friend of mine and I said, listen, this is what I need you to do. I need you to send me the list of all my friends in Facebook. I'm going to weed some out. We're going to leave some in there. And I'm going to send an email blast to everybody on Facebook. She goes, okay, okay. So I write that email, which I read a couple of days ago for the first time. And it was February of 2013. And I say, uh, dear friends and family, uh, you haven't heard from me in a year. And it's not that I've been, you know, ghosting you. It's just that I got indicted and I got sentenced to 15 years. This is my case number, if you want to research it. And during that year, I've lost everything I had. I lost friends. I lost family. I lost money. But I'm holding on to the one thing that I'm giving up today, which is my dignity and my pride. I need to hire an attorney. He's going to charge me $45,000. And I need your help. If you can help me financially, that's fine. If you can't, your prayers are well received. Thank you for your help. Love you, you know, your friend, whatever. Well, dude, that thing went bonkers. I mean, I was reading the comments a day ago and people were doing garage sales. People were doing bake sales. I mean, my attorney will go visit me and go, listen, can you tell your friends to stop sending me $20 checks? I'm not the Catholic church. Right. Tell them to put money together and send it to me in a lump sum. He had to open a PayPal account so people could send him $2 here, $5 there, $10 here, $15 there. And they pay my attorney's fees. So it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. When they, Paul called me and told me, listen, your bill is paid. Don't worry about it. Nice. So that's, that's, that's amazing. That's the power of social media. Yeah. You know, that's the power of, of you know, to be honest, I mean, I, you know, I, like I don't typically flatter people, but that that's just the power of you and your friendship and what you mean to people and how much they like you. Because I tell you right now, and people like me, I ain't raising $45,000. Nobody's giving me $45,000. Yeah, 000. I guess. And that's what you realize. Yeah. Uh, like somebody told me the other day, man, you're not, you guys are not bad people. You are good people that did something wrong. Right. You know, and, and our nature has never, I mean, at the end of the day, I know you from prison and you know me from prison and yeah. we've helped each other. We helped a lot of people. Without having to help them, you know, because without needing to help them. I mean, right. Because, because we, you, that's what you do. That's your nature, you know. So I pay my attorney and Paul is happy and he takes me and he represents me and he's like, well, I, we need to talk. Tell me about these guys. So I said, well, I know this guy and, and he sent me this email about this person and he goes, do you know who these guys are? And I said, well, I, I think I know, but I, he goes, listen, man. The money that these people are using to buy this stuff goes pretty high up in the government. I mean, you have the key to unleash a huge investigation. But if you do this, you're, they're going to kill you. Right. I mean, you, 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 you understand that you're not going back to Venezuela unless you want to die. And I said, all right, that's fine. Let's do this. You know what I mean? So I end up talking about different things. And one of the stories that call his attention the most is... Uh, at one point, they call me over and they're like, listen, you need to come to Venezuela and you need to face us. You need to tell us where the money's at. And I'm like, dude, the money's gone. Yeah. No, no, no. We, because, and this happened to a lot of people. 
when people lose money, they think you have the money. Right. When people make money, they don't want you to have the money. So is 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 if things are bad, you better have some of my money. But if things are good, I don't want you to keep a dime of my money. You know. So of course they think I have the money, and they tell me, and I know they're gonna kill my family, and they're gonna kill everybody. So I have to go there, and I gotta face them. So I show up, and I'm facing them, and they're like. Listen, you need to come up with the money. And I'm like, well, you got to let me go back to so the you States. So fl- you fly to so Venezuela. Fly, at, at that time, I'm dating somebody else. Right. And I'm telling her, listen, I'm going to go to Venezuela. And uh, if I don't, first of all, if I don't call you in 24 hours, they kill me. Now, if I call you in 24 hours, then you know I'm alive. But you need to be like on, on top of the game because I may have to call you and tell you I'm getting out right now. Okay, okay, okay. So I land. This is just some chick you just met? Or you've been dating for her? I've been dating her, but everybody that has taken a chance of... And, this is and a big commitment ev- for, everybody for that an American has, chick that you've been dating for a month. So ev- how long have you been dating her? Well, I've known her for a while, but ever since... I, she was one of my salespeople, so she knew this whole investigation process, and she knew the disaster. And and uh, because I was married for a long, long, long time. And everybody that I dated kind of knew that I came with a lot of baggage. Right. But uh, you know that theory about everybody likes a bad boy? I think yes. everybody likes that story. Everybody likes to be with somebody that is complicated. It's codependency, basically. I'm going to fix him. I'm going to turn him into a good guy. Yeah. You know? That way I can say I saved his life. So I go to Venezuela and I meet with these guys and they're like, listen, we're going to lock you in a hotel room and you're going to stay there until you get us the money. And I'm like, dude, I have to go back to the United States to get the money. They're like, no, no, no. You have to get us the money right now. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this. So that night, they hire some prostitutes, and uh, they bring some prostitutes to the hotel room. And they're like, listen, we have some prostitutes, and we're going to be having sex in the room next door, but we're keeping an eye on you. And I'm like, listen, that's fine, no problem. So they got these raunchy hookers, and they're like there and smoking and drinking, and it's just, it's just it looks, it was bad. bad, Who's, bad, who, bad. who are the people that are holding you? This is this, these are Venezuelan like military? Venezuelan uh, security people. Okay. You know, private. Private, private. citizens. But the people that are telling you that you have to give them back the money are people that work for the government. Oh, absolutely. These and are people that are high up in the government. Which I later find out that these are people whose the source of the money is Colombian drug money. Right. And they're telling them, where is my money? Yeah. And they're telling me, listen, where is our money? Right. Because this guy wants his money. Yeah. These guys will kill us and we'll kill you if you don't come up with the money. The problem is you've already, the money's already gone to the developers. Developers have already spent the money gone. on their bills. It's over. It's gone. gone. And whatever gone. was in escrow, they took. So right. listen, it's, it's gone. Your money is gone. But you always have this thing like, don't worry about it. I'll make up the money and I'll pay it back. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about yeah. it. Well, I'll, of course, I'll you're saying anything to stay of alive. Right. So I'm there and these guys right. get drunk. So, and I'm like, man, I still have my passport in my hand. So I call this girl and I'm like, listen, I'm going to try to get out of here. You need to get me on the first flight that leaves the United States, that leaves Venezuela to the United, to anywhere in the United States. I don't care where it lands. Anywhere. So she's researching and she goes, dude, there is one, but it's $1,500. I said, I don't care. I'm on that flight. And I'm going to call you when I'm on the plane. If I don't call you, by the time the plane takes off, they found out I left and I'm dead. And she's like, oh my God, listen, I can't deal with this stuff. I'm like, listen, we can break up when, when I get there. That's fine. But just get me there. Okay. All right. All right. So she buys a ticket. She's like, we got the reservation. Man, these guys are wasted. I sneak out of the hotel room. I call a cab and I'm sitting in the lobby going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. The cab comes in. I'm like, I got to go to the airport right now. American Airlines right now. He goes, do you have any luggage? I don't have anything. That, oh, I have, let's go. I need to get on a plane. I get on a plane. I call her. I come back. Now, the amazing, I'm going to go a couple steps ahead. When I go to Coleman that I meet you, 
Right. I actually meet the Colombian guy who gave the guys the money, who gave the instructions to get their money any way they could. So basically, he was the guy that got the kidnapping set up. So I used to tell people, and I used to tell you all the time, listen, that's my kidnapper over there. I'm going to go say hi to him. So I will go say hi to him, and we'll talk, and, I, and I'll say, like, listen, man, you know, you, you know I got, was kidnapped because of you, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, I feel bad about that. I never really met you, so I didn't know who you were. I'm like, that doesn't change the fact that I was kidnapped because of you. Yeah, but, you know, if I knew, then, if I knew you then, maybe we would have come to terms. I'm like, maybe. Maybe not. So on that side note, uh, I go back to Miami. You know, and uh, I'm Wait. telling my attorney that story about, you know, how I got oh, kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's like, oh, this is fantastic. He said, this is phenomenal. I mean, this is, this is exactly what, what we need, what they've been looking for. So I end up uh, talking to the federal authorities about that case. And this is all public records, obviously. Yeah. This and is F- the FBI? Or? This is FBI and DEA and NSA and IRS and... Uh, I remember the first time we met, I walked into the room and uh, of course there's all these people and uh, one of these guys goes, my name is whatever, whatever, FBI and somebody says, my name is this and IRS and the other guy says, my name is this, you know, DEA and I said, well, my name is Juan Sanchez, FBOP and they all started laughing and they're like, oh my God, this guy is great, this is the guy we need, he's hilarious. So we sat there and I told them the story and everything that is going on and they're taking notes and they go, listen, you have, a, you have a, a, a very odd memory. You seem to remember a lot of details, and that's not common. I said, well, check them out. So they go check them out. They come back. They said, man, you hit it right on the head. That's exactly what we're looking for, and, uh, and let's move forward with this. So they decide to leave me sitting there in Miami for a couple of months. Then they send me back to Coleman, and I'm sitting there, and nothing is happening, nothing is happening, nothing is happening. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is... You know, I remember I called my attorney and I said, I felt like I just got invited to the prom. I had sex with my date and never called me again. Right. I just got screwed. And he's like, listen, they're working on it. They're working on it. It takes time. They bring me, they bring me back down to Miami. And uh, I'm sitting there and out of the sudden, I'm watching the TV. And no, I'm lying to you. I, I'm sitting in Miami and all of a sudden they take me downstairs. And when they take me downstairs... I'm, I'm handcuffed and I'm standing there and uh, there is a guard calling out names and the guard is like uh, Gonzalez, Martinez, Rodriguez, whoever and it's one of the guys that kidnapped me and I'm sitting there going like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god so I'm facing the wall and I'm doing like this little happy dance handcuff and the guard is like hey dude, you gotta go pee? and I'm like no, 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 no so I see the guy on the corner of my eye and I'm like oh my god, they busted this guy so I go up to the unit, I call my attorney, and I go, man, do you have news for me? And he goes, no, do you have news for me? And I said, yeah, you know, one of these guys from Venezuela just got arrested. And he goes, oh my God, just hang up and, and I'll call you back. So long story short, he gets arrested, and then they tell me the story how he gets arrested. And I'm like, oh, I get it. This is a guy, so you understand the nature of these people. This is a guy that went to the American embassy in Venezuela after he got denied entry into the United States one day because he was bringing $100,000 cash and didn't declare. So they sent him back to Venezuela, told him, sir, we don't want you to come back ever again. He applies for a visa. So, the- so he came to the United States with 100000 in cash. In cash, because that's how they move money 
back if from yeah, Venezuela. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they don't believe in transfer. They just bring bags of money. And that's why the change of law right now where they're basically saying you cannot do business with anybody from Venezuela in cash. Right. So he came to the United States with 100000 in cash, said de- de- didn't declare it, and they caught him while he's in immigration as he's coming Correct. through. Correct. He's extorting me by this time. I'm already his victim. So he's calling me from immigration. You have to get me out of here. You have to get me out of here. And I'm sitting there going, dude, how? You're, right. you're on the other side of the fence. Right. Well, you got to fix something. You got to figure out something. So I'm making calls to attorneys. He finally gets sent back to Venezuela. And that puts more pressure on me because now they're blaming this on me because everything that happened, it was because of me. Right. So they're like, listen, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you have to bring me back to the United States. I'm like, dude, the only way I can tell you to do it is go to the embassy and try to get a visa again. So, (coughs) excuse me. He goes there. He gets denied. He calls me. He goes, your idea didn't work. I got denied. I said, no. It has nothing to do with my idea. It has to do with the fact that you brought a hundred grand cash. Right. Well, you got to fix it. So, or, you know, we're going to kill your family. Remember, we dismember this guy, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. So I get arrested and the agents are telling me like, listen, how do we bring these people from Venezuela here? Because there is no extradition. Right. And this is a member of the government. Yeah, this is a member of the government. And he's not stupid. I said, well, it was kind of stupid. There is one thing you can do. He applied for a visa once and uh, they denied him. Maybe if you give him a visa, he'll come to the United States. He goes, you think so? And I said, I think so. Well, time goes by and I'm reading the newspapers and guess what happens? This guy is sitting at home one day eating breakfast and he gets a call from the American embassy and they tell him, hey, Mr. So-and-so, we made a mistake. We want you to come to America. The guy goes to the embassy, gets his visa, comes back home, and tells his family, pack your stuff. We're going to Disney. So the guy has literally like Mickey Mouse shirts and ears and the whole family. And he's his wife, his kid, everybody. He gets on the plane, lands in Miami, and sure enough, DEA is waiting for him on the gate. So he kept saying, because I remember I'm, when you I'm, showed me the article. I'm reading this article, <laughs> and he's like, it was like a booby trap. I landed in a booby trap. And I'm like, well, yes, you did. But these guys don't understand that the United States doesn't work like that. Once they said no, they said no. Right. You're not coming in again. So that case happened. And uh, because I became... In Venezuela, something somebody says, no, you can make a call. You can talk to a buddy. So my brother works for so-and-so. I can give this guy some money. Like you can always fix a situation in Venezuela. And remember, these are the guys that fix the situations in Venezuela. So that's why they kept telling me, you have to fix it. Because... They know how to fix it in Venezuela. Right. And I have to explain to them, that's not how it works in here. There's nobody I can pay off. Right. You know? That's a crime. Mind you, I was already breaking the law on my own and doing my financial crimes. Right. Okay? So, thank God that happened because I had to expose the case and I had to expose the extortion and I had to expose the abuse and and the fact that my family was at risk. and, And I had to talk to my kids and say, listen, if I do this, my life is at risk. You know, I may get killed because of this. You guys, we got to put it on the balance, you know? And uh, can, can I ask you a question? You keep yeah. saying they were extorting you. The extortion, they're saying, look, if you don't get us our money back, we're going to kill you or your family, whatever. But weren't they also, because only because I, only because I know I, I've heard the story, like, didn't you also, like, you'd lost all, a bunch of their money? Didn't you convince them to give you 
more money. And that was a problem because I didn't have really had to convince him that much. So you, but, uh, you, they already, listen, I just want to make this clear. They already feel like you owe them hundreds of thousands of dollars. They've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you basically go to them and you say, I can get your money back. I'm trying, but you have to give me more money to do it. Because they so were happened? offering me the money. Okay. They're like, listen, we have to move this money and you have to move it. And I said, well, if you want to make your money, if you want to recover the money, we need to reinvest money to make money. That's how it works. So this, this was like digging a hole to cover the other hole. And it just became, it was, it was just, it was, it was. But they sent you insane, more money. But they sent more money. And listen, if I, unfortunately, if I pick up the phone today and I said, I think I got to figure out guys, we got, he did send money. Because the amount of money that they have is ridiculous. Right. And, and then, but the amount of money that they have that's ridiculous, and they're getting money from the cartels. Oh, they're laundering cartel money. Correct. Now, I grew up here. I didn't grow up there. So the, 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 the source of the money, to me, was never disclosed. Right. So it's like, listen, we have this money. We need to move it over there. If you don't move it for us, we're going to kill you. And if right. you don't give us your money, our money back, we're going to kill you. Right. I know I um, read that in your transcripts where, they, where you, they, you were... It just kept getting worse and worse because they kept threatening you. Yes. To, you have to do this or we'll do this. So it, the, the threats got worse and worse, plus they the videotape. And escalating. The whole thing. It Correct. kept escalating. And once you were in it, it was just. I mean, I think I have been in prison for like six months. And I told the federal government, I said, listen, if you want me to give you some information, I need my laptop and I need my cell phone. Right. So they bring me my cell phone. And I show the agents. I'm like, look this. Look at this. They had to write it down because it was something like 780 missed calls from these people in like 30 days. Just because I wasn't picking up the phone. I was arrested. Yeah. But they were like, listen, you need to call us back. It's like, it's like the crazy girlfriend. They'll be like, listen, you need to call us back. We need to talk. Hey, why aren't you picking up my phones? Listen, we're going to kill you. We know you're hiding. Then they'll call again. Hey, dude, sorry about that. Listen, <laughs> we, need- <laughs> listen we need to talk again. And I'll be like, dude, this is insane. So even the agents were like, man, these guys were playing a number on you. I mean, you, 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 you know, you, you were definitely, definitely under pressure. So they finally get indicted. One of them gets arrested. The other ones are still in Venezuela. It's a big case that is, is according to my transcripts, is one of the largest cases in the hemisphere yeah. that got exposed at that time. And, uh, and uh, I benefited from it, of course. Right. You know? Well, weren't you... Didn't you get in that? Didn't the CIA show up one time? The CIA showed up at one time. The people that I didn't know showed up at one time. Like I, I was getting, I mean, I was I was a golden boy. Yeah, yeah. Because I was the only one that spoke English, the only one that had that was truly a victim of their abuse. Because everybody else was a co-defendant, so right. they don't want to talk because they're incriminating themselves in the crime. Right. I was the one that they put the gun to his head and say, "Listen, you gotta commit this crime, or we'll kill you." Doesn't make it less of a crime, but it makes me a victim of the crime, you know? And, and the government knew that I was willing to risk my life for the, to provide them some kind of information to help me in my case because I have gotten 15 years. I have gotten over-sentenced to start yeah. with. So it took a while, but they corrected my sentence, and I went down to nine and a half years, which is still a lot of time. Yeah. And then I ended up doing uh, eight years and a month. In federal prison. And uh, six months of those in the shoe. My last six months in solitary. 
And then after I got released on June, ICE picked me up because I'm not a citizen. I was a resident. So right. they had to deport me. So then it was the battle of, well, if you deport me, you're going to send me back to a country where they're going to kill me. So there is something called the protection against the Convention Against Torture, CAT, which is where my case is at right now. Because the bottom line is this, they understand that it's a life sentence to send me back. But those six months on ICE, which you didn't serve, because obviously you're a citizen, right. are insane. Yeah. Insane. That's a whole different ball game with a whole different group of people. Because in there, all you see is like these people that are crossing the border. So people will come to me and say, I'm going crazy. I've been here for seven weeks and I don't know what to do. And I will tell them, listen, man, I did eight years in prison. <gasps> oh my God, how come you're not crazy? And I used to tell them, dude, you didn't know me from before. Maybe I am crazy. You know, <laughs> maybe this is a crazy me you're meeting. It is different. The abuse is different. The system is different, you know. But I'll tell you what, this is what surprises me. It's not the crimes that we committed. You know, we, we made a mistake and it was a, a, a reckless behavior that got us in prison. When, when people think that when you say we made a mistake, it's like I stumbled into fraud. No, no, no. The mistake happened when we f- thought we could get away with it. And there, nobody gets away with crime. What shocks me is, dude, it's happening today again. The same thing. Same, and and the government like the, you said the mortgages, the the and the, now it's the, the PPP real, loans, yeah, the real estate industry, the, the real PPP estate loans industry. And the, I have had people that knew I did, that know that I did time, come to me and go, listen, how much time did you do? I say, well, eight years. Oh, eight years. So you have nothing on your credit, right? I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? You are really going there, like you're gonna create me some false credit history, and then we're gonna what, get loans. Men. Yeah. Because he's back there. Yeah. Oh, I, I listen, I'm constantly being contacted by people. I, I actually did a video where I had a guy fly in from, uh, from New York to try and convince me to commit, you know, help him commit fraud. Did I tell you that? Do a video? Yeah, I did. I, I saw my channel. I, I do a video. I talk about how this guy, like I'm constantly, oh. I was constantly being contacted by guys saying, Hey bro, if I can talk to you, like, you know, if you could set it up, like I'll go in the bank, you just have to set it up and I'll split everything with you. And I'm going, what are you doing? I'm not going to commit fraud with you. What am I committing fraud? And I had one guy that actually flew in from New, like he approached me like he was a real estate investor. Like he's going to invest in real estate and wanted to ask me some questions. You can ask me some questions. Okay. What, what's going on? What do you want to know? Like, I'm selling my business in New York. I'm going to come. Like, what do you think I should do? I have $750,000. What should I do with that money in Tampa? What would you do? I'm like, I don't know. You could buy rental properties. You could this. So we had a few conversations. It ended up to a bunch of, ended up, we started texting each other. So yeah. And I, so I'm just like, yeah, do this, do that. Like we start texting every once in a while. He's asking me questions and this and that. And he's seen my videos and he likes me. And so I, I, th- I kind of feel like we're, we're like friends. Like we're kind of being friends. And then one day he says, hey, I'm coming to Tampa. And I said, oh, okay. He said, I'd like to, love to have a, 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 a coffee with you. Right. So we're going to have a coffee. I want to buy you a cup of coffee. I want to meet you while I'm there. Sure, no problem. Come, come. we sit down. We go to Starbucks. He buys me some coffee. We sit there. We're talking. And, um, and as soon as we sit down, he's like, look, bro, I wanted to fly in and let you know I'm for real. And I go, for real about what? And he goes, you know, I'm like, what? And he goes, listen, I need to make some money. 
Now I'm going to sell my, I'm selling my business and I've got 750. What can I do? I go, I told you buy real estate. And he goes, nah, bro. Like I want to do some fraud. Like, like what you did, like, what would you do? Like, I'll pay you. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm not committing fraud with you. <laughs> and so he goes into this whole thing. Nah, nah, we this, I can this. I go, well, let me explain something. I said, I'm already indicted. Like as soon as they grab you, they're going to look at your phone. They're going to see my name. And so I go through the whole thing on how they'll grab me and add my name to the indictment. And then I can't really defend myself against fraud because I've committed fraud. Yeah. And I said, and on top of that, no, I would never say nothing. It doesn't matter that you said your phone's going to say it. And I said, on top of that, the really big problem is this. You know, the, I said, the, the really big, uh, big problem overall is I said that if I was willing to be involved in committing fraud, why would I need you? Correct. Why, like, why, would I, why would I, why would I create a co-defendant that will cooperate against me? Like, why would I split a scam, which I'll get, you know, they don't understand that. Like if you steal a hundred, if you steal $10 million, everybody gets charged with the same 10 million. They don't get that. So they don't understand conspiracy means I'm, I'm getting everything you're getting. So correct. why would I split everything? If I think I'm going to get away with it, why wouldn't I do it myself? I can do it myself. Why would I do it myself, take all the money and leave? Why would I leave, give you half and allow you to testify and get your sentence cut in half? Like, why would I do that? Like, it's so stupid that you would think I would be involved or involve someone else. And two, one, to be involved. But two, why would I involve you? I don't need you. You need me. You're asking me to teach you. Right. It's stupid. And then that's the other thing. He said, what if I gave you, like, if I gave you, like, 25 grand for you to just teach me, like, spend a week with me? I'm like, what are you talking about? That's You'll a guy, get caught. That's a guy that you need to tell him, listen, let's do this. Um, give me 25 grand. I'm going to lock you in my bathroom for 13 years. And then I'm going to teach you exactly what you want to learn. Right. Which is, you're going to spend 13 years in a bathroom. Right. And you're going to get out with nothing. With nothing. Right. You and know. It's just, yeah. Yeah. But, they, but they don't understand. And I don't know what your demographic is on your channel. But what made my case appealing for the federal government, okay, sexy, as my attorney used to say, your case is so sexy. And I'd be like, well, I guess we have different definitions of sexy. Yeah. You know, is that my market was the Hispanic market. So these were Spanish-speaking people that didn't know any English. So anything looks good to them. This is a guy that has, these are, these are people that don't know anything about the mortgage market. These are people that literally destroy the mortgage market, <coughs> the real estate market. Right now, if you look at the demographic of people buying, Miami, all Hispanics. Capital of fraud in the United States, Miami. Arizona, Vegas, all Hispanics. So I remember the agents telling me, the biggest part of your case is not so much what you did. What you did was pretty big. But the fact that the people that you did it with were all Hispanics. And the market that you target was Hispanic, Spanish speaking. So we're back to uh, uh, lack of education, man. That guy that is asking you to do fraud mm -hmm. with him, he doesn't know. Right. These guys are ignorant. Yeah. People are asking for PPP loans right now and saying, oh, don't worry about it. I got $200,000 and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Oh, you will. Yeah, yeah. Not of the loan. You're going to ask for forgiveness when they're sentencing you, you know? But it is what it is, you know? It's a, uh, it's, uh, man, it's, it's never ending. Never, never, never ending. And now you have technology. Now you have, you know, I'm still trying to figure out this oh, technology thing. Well, when I got out, like the, uh, iPhones are like, like, like it, they're magic. It's unbelievable. Listen, I get out and I go to, I have to open a bank account. You know, I can work because, oh, that's another beauty of this thing. I got out in December 23rd, but I'm waiting to be authorized to work and it's June. 
Right. I don't have a driver's license. So I have a seven-year-old nephew that we have the same problem. We can't drive. <laughs> so he keeps telling me, like, uncle, can you take me shopping? No, bro. Yeah. I'm waiting for you to be 16 to take me shopping. Like how, how, what, so if you're in that limbo, how do they expect you to, like, if you didn't have family to help you, how do they, like, you, you're lucky you have family that can help you and let you stay there and take care of you. But if you didn't have family, what do you how? do? So in their, in, in the, in the government, government's mind, they're saying, no, no, you go live in the street and you starve to death. Or we know we can push you enough where you'll break the law. Right. Where you're going to work without a permit. Like, where you're you going to drive without a license. Where you're going to, you know what I mean? Right. And it's crazy. But this is the funny part. So I get out and I, and I have my prison ID, which I lost. So literally, I'm completely undocumented right now. I'm the definition. So you all see it. I am the definition of an undocumented citizen. Because the only idea I had was my prison ID. I don't have anything else. I don't have a driver's license. So... Every time I went out to a bar or whatever, the waiter will say, like, do you have an ID? And I will say, I do, but I don't know if you want to see it. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. And I'll be like, here it is. And I say, yeah, it's a prison ID, bro. It's the only thing I got. Yeah. I'm a convicted fellow. Okay, no problem. So I, go to, I have to open an account. Because my daughters are like, listen, dad, we need to give you money, but we're not going to give you cash. Right. We have this new thing called Cash App. Right. Or Zelle or whatever. I said, yeah, let's do it. So I go to Chase. And of course, I give my prison ID, and the lady's like, okay. And I say, this is my social security number. So she's typing, and she looks at me, <laughs> and she goes, give me a second. So she gets up, she comes back, and I'm telling my daughter, they're not going to take me. And my daughter's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's it. they're not going to take me. She comes back, she goes, uh, we have a problem in the system. I don't think you can open an account with us. I said, all right. So my daughter goes, well, let's go to Bank of America. I said, let's do it. We go. You know Bank of America. I know. <laughs> Prison ID. Social security number, yeah. We have something showing in the system here. We're not going to be able to open it at this time. I said, oh, thank you, no problem. I said, I tell to my daughter, how many more banks do we do this? I call a friend of mine. He goes, what are you doing, man? Go to Chime. I said, to Chime? He goes, yeah, Chime.com. I said, dude, like an online bank? He goes, yeah. Man, I went to Chime. Literally. Name. Date of birth. Approved. Bing! Congratulations. I said, yeah. Ten days later, I got my Chime check card. All I kept thinking is, Lord, thank you for not having Chime ten years ago when I was committing fraud. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, the stuff, the stuff that is available now, like... I'm literally back then. I'm walking into a bank saying, "Can I have that nine thousand dollars?" And then they would check, and they'd be like, "Well, he does, he's got like half a million in his account. Here's nine grand." <laughs> like now, I realize, like now, I would have just transferred it to Bitcoin, or I would have bought, you know, whatever. I would have just, you know, moved the money buying, you know, Ethereum or whatever, and and laundered the money through there. There's a, there's a you know, or Cash App or PayPal or whatever there there is available now. The the other thing is funny is. When you say the um, Bank of America, like I opened a Bank of America. I walked in. I gave them $1,000 and opened an account. And a month later, I get a, my, a check in the thing saying we cannot we, we cannot open an account for you. We can't accept your money. We can't open an account for you. And they sent me my money back. I tried to do a secured visa with them. I sent them 500 bucks because they initially like, yes. Then they come back. Boom. Here's your $500 back. Like, And, and I – and you know – my friend Stacy was like, what's the problem with Bank of America? I'm like, you know, I do owe them a couple million dollars. I feel like they're holding resentment. 
over the two million that I owe them. But that was like 15 years ago. And I did time. I did time. I mean, I, it's not on my credit. Like, I don't get it. Like, the only other bank I've got is, is uh, the I opened new Wells Fargo because the halfway house had a deal with Wells Fargo where they said anybody they sent them from the halfway house, they would allow them to open the account. So they opened it. Um, but Chase turned me down. Bank of America turned me down. And then I was just like, all right, I'm done. This is it. And it's insane because uh, even to find a place to leave. Oh, yeah. Same same thing. With Listen, the, I attempted. Called t- I called like 10, 15 pay- places. I tried it. And I will, I will go into the leasing office and go, listen, uh, I want to apply for an apartment here. My kids are going to be paying for the apartment while I you know, get back on my feet. We have a $300 application fee. I said, I understand. Is it refundable? No. no. I said, okay, I'm going to give you the heads up. I'm a convicted felon. Was it a sexual crime? No, it wasn't a sexual crime. Uh, it was a financial crime. Oh, you shouldn't have a problem. All right. 300 bucks, application fee. Next day. Sorry, we have to turn you down. Dude, I told you I wasn't a sex yeah, offender. Where, where's my three hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, what happened? Sorry, we look at your record and we cannot take you, dude. I don't. I'm not a sex offender, but I'm, I I have been sexually offended by this yeah, comment. Yeah, I think I just yeah. got fucked by you guys. Yeah. So it's 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 getting out of prison is so difficult. It's so I understand why people are struggling. Yeah, well, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like there's like a, a 70 or 80% recidivism rate. And people are like, it doesn't make sense. Why would you get out and commit a crime? Well, you have no idea the difficulty. Like, well, even I, even if you could, even if you can get a job, like like you go out and you apply for jobs and get jobs and everything else, then as soon as they run your stuff, they, they anything that goes wrong at the job, you're fired. You're probably anything. I didn't do it. What well, doesn't matter? You're the first person they look at. If they want to hire you at all, like you're always the last person they want to hire. Unless they understand the tax write-off that we are, because we are a tax write-off, you know? And uh, which is what I tell my girlfriend, listen, you should be able to write me off for your taxes. I'm an ex-convict, you know? Dating yeah. me should give you some kind of tax benefit, because I know it doesn't give you emotional stability. But uh, so I have become a little bit of an activist. Actually, I dressed up for the podcast, for the podcast. But I'm usually wearing like a, you know, uh, screw the BOP or, uh, or, uh, or prison reform now or something like that. So this is my, I don't know if the camera, this, which camera, that one, this one, this one right here. Wait, wait, no, this one just, this is, says something. Oh, <clears throat> I have, this is the mask that I wear. Abolish mass incarceration. So this is what I wear when I go into establishments, all right? So the other day I'm wearing my mask, of course, so I work like this, and which is phenomenal because, you know, they ask you to put on a mask now when you go to the bank, which is, we, how I, many, I know. How many people did we do time with? That were like, dude, I put my mask on and I went to the bank. Oh, like, I, listen, prior to prior to go, being incarcerated, <laughs> I went into a bank one time. Like I'm opening a fake bank account. I went in with a baseball cap, right? They said, can you take your baseball cap off? You can't be in here with a baseball cap. Now I'm okay with a baseball cap and a mask and a face and glasses, shield yeah. and glasses and everything. Oh, yeah. Anybody can open a bank account right now without a facial recognition situation. So I'm wearing this mask and I go into a, I, I think it was a store. And the lady goes, you don't believe in mass incarceration? And I said, uh, uh, no. She goes, oh, so you're okay with criminals being out on the street? I said, yeah, I think so. And she goes, really? How about the murderers? Do you think murderers should go to prison? So I said, well, let me ask you. Has the murder rate gone down since they've been going to prison? Because I think it actually has gone up. She goes, well, that's not the point. 
I said, well, what is yeah, the lo- point? Logic, logic is, is not a, an argument, I, I guess. I said, so it's a combination of things. I think we live in, a per, in, the per, in, the, in the perfect storm. You have a system that doesn't work, which is the judicial system. You have a bunch of youngsters right now that don't understand the consequences of their actions. And you have access to a bunch of ways to commit crimes right now. Anything from social media to... Dude, you can create... A, back in our days, to create a fictitious person was a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, you had to find somebody, I mean, homeless that uh, had an actual identity and then you had to find somebody to create the identity and put credit on it and this and that. The latest thing is, uh, which we were talking about, online notaries. It's called remote notaries. Yeah. Good times. Good stuff. What I was going to say is like right now, I, you know, like I'm, I, I've got a buddy who owns a couple of you know, like four or five uh, title companies and he's like, you, you understand that you don't like now you can create the document, scan it, send it in and you just hit a button for, to, to, to fill up, to send stuff to public records. You hit a button that says certified that it's a, it's a certified original copy. So it can be all completely fake. You can make it up on, on, um, on Photoshop. You can Photoshop the, the stamp, the signature, you can pull the signature off, you can create this whole document that doesn't look anything like an original, and then you just scan it, and you send it in and say, certified original copy, and they immediately say, this is a certified original copy, and now it's in public records. So simplicity, which is what they're looking for, has made it easier. Right. Oh, and the same thing where before, like let's say you bought, let's say you rented me your house. So you rent me your house, and then I go and I satisfy the the loan. First of all, you don't have to see me. I can go, I can contact a, a real estate agent online and I can say, look, I've seen some of your real estate listings. I like this one. I want to rent it. So then I, I don't need to go through the house. I already did the virtual tour. Just send me, I want to rent it. They can, they can then email me the, uh, they can email me the, the lease agreement. The, the lease agreement. I sign the lease agreement. I send it back. I wire them the money. They've got the PayPal, whatever. I cash. I zilled them the money. They've got the money. They run my my information. They say, okay, great, you're cleared. Send them the money now. Mail me the the key or leave the key in the mailbox. I've now I have possession of the house. So now I can go downtown. I don't have to actually go downtown anymore. By the way, I can just now search the title to the house, create a fake satisfaction of mortgage, satisfy the mortgage on the house, transfer the deed to the house into someone else's name. I can then turn around and I can put the house on the market. Don't have to have a sign in the front yard, nothing. Just stick it on the market. Stick it on the market. Or not even that. I can just contact one of these companies that will buy your house online. They then do a, they do a review of the house and they say, yeah, your house is worth $300,000. You go, okay, that's a little bit less than I wanted, but yeah, I'll do it. Okay. They schedule a closing. Now I can go to the closing virtually. I don't have to go to the closing. I actually sign all the documents over the internet. I then ask that then they, so I've now, they then say, hey, where do we want the money sent? I have them transfer the money to an account that I opened online. So now I got the money online. So that, well, first the money goes in the title company. Then the title company now sends it to me online. They wire the money, which they do all the time. You open up a bank account, which you can open up online all the time. Now I get all that money. I then take that money and I transfer that money and I buy Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever. I buy a bunch of different stuff and then, in uh in a a, a, a a virtual or wallet or what do they call them a visible wallet or whatever. Yeah, they got some kind of wallet now. Right. So you buy this wallet that can't be transferred. I can then turn around and I can buy whatever I want, gold, cars, whatever, and they can't track the money. 
So the money's all gone and I haven't done anything. I haven't left my house. I just use my, you can just use a computer. Like it's so easy to commit fraud now yeah. that it, it's, it's insane as opposed to what I had to do and what you had to do. Like I'm making documents. I'm driving stuff around. I'm going into you banks. You remember the I'm days of a, a, a light table? Where you have to put like, of you course, know, you turn it on and you put a document on top of the other document and you have to like make sure the lines match and everything. You're the stuff to the oh light. My I'm God. sliding it around. Yeah. Or then, I'm, you know, oh, listen. It's, no, no, it's, no. It's, it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. What's happening is not good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked that, you know, one, I'm shocked as there's just a ton of fraud. It's, it's also more difficult to catch people. Yeah. Right? In some ways, it's easier. So, like, if you're smart, you can really get away with it. If you're dumb, you're going to get caught right away. But this is the problem that people don't understand. At the end of the day, it's not about catching you. It's about catching somebody that will lead them to you. Yeah. And there is usually, you know, I mean, there, there is usually that one weak link of course. I mean, you know, on, on everybody's case. Had these guys that are like, you know, oh, I had the credit card mailed. Which I have it mailed to? I had it mailed to my cousin. I'm like, your cousin? Well, yeah, but that's the whole thing. Like, they won't, when, when they get there, if they, I'm like, yeah, but they're going to go to the house. Yeah, but, but I'm not there. But your cousin is. Yeah, but my cousin's not. And he, he doesn't know. that. Well, yeah, but when they walk over and they have your picture and your nephew or your cousin's wife or somebody says hi hey my name's john i'm with the fbi do you know this guy the most people's initial reaction a decent citizen's reaction is to help so a decent citizen's gonna go oh yeah that's jimmy yeah why what's up like they don't think that so guess what you're done no they wouldn't they would do that because your your cousin works at walmart and he's a good citizen like he want a good citizen wants to help the police. He's not thinking protect my cousin. He's thinking the police need to know who this person is. Oh, I can help them. That's my cousin. He's not thinking you're about to go to jail for 12 years. Like he's just thinking, "Hey, that that's Jimmy." Like and w- not just him. What about your what about your your nephew? What about your niece? What about their their girlfriend? Like you've got to make sure that your cousin who knows what's coming answers the door and says the right thing and did you and which means you now have to make him a part of the conspiracy by telling him. And you know what the problem what are you is? Doing? I remember you and I reading a book in the library many, many years ago. And then you, you went to, ther- to therapy, right? When, I, when you got out of prison? For, uh, one hour every week I had to go for th- It's done wonders, by the way. Wonders yeah, I'm, I'm all better. You are, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, give me the number of the guy. So I am, I'm going to therapy right now. Nice. You know? Because, uh, well, because, listen, I... I I don't know if how you, we talked about this also, but prison does a number on your psyche, you know? Yeah. And so I said, listen, I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to talk it out. So we're talking and the guy's listening to me and I'm, of course, telling my story and what's going on. And, and he goes, listen, I'll tell you what your problem is. He goes, you have a narcissistic personality. And we talked about this, remember? And I Duh. said, I said, really? And he goes, really, dude? You're going to, you don't know it? He goes, you spent 15 minutes here and all you gave me was all your accomplishments and how you do this and how you do that. He goes, the problem with narcissism is the next, the best, the best you can hope for is to remain narcissistic. The next step is to become a sociopath. And that's when your actions cause pain to other people, but you don't care. Well, people like us walk that line and we jump back and forth, back and forth. Right. <coughs> there is a lot of people like us, you know? So 
that guy that is involving his cousin and to listen, can you get that package for me? Don't worry about it. You don't have to say anything. Don't even open the package. As soon as the UPS comes in with those papers or those credit cards, you call me. I'll go back. Nothing's going to happen to you. Right. You're a I was going to say, you're, you're not thinking about the ramifications to that other person. All you're thinking about is how do I get this person to do what I want them to do so that I can get that package? Yeah, but you're putting him in danger. This could happen. Like, like That's all irrelevant. It will never happen. Right. Yeah, yeah you, always, you always justify it. There's no chance that's going to happen. It will never happen. I used to have offices everywhere, and I used to do the same thing everywhere. We used to bring the people by buses. We used to do cashbacks. And I had all these mortgage brokers and all these realtors and everybody. And at one point, they will come to me and say, listen, dude, is this like legit what we're doing? Yeah, it's fine. It's very relaxed. What's, what's not legit about it? Are we selling drugs? No. Okay. Are we robbing people? No. All right. So what's not legit about it? Well, nothing was legit about it. Right. But you become a sociopath. You don't care. You don't care about consequences. And that's a, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. Well, you know, you either become, you know, super, you become either super successful crushing people on your way to the top, you know, or you become a criminal, you know, crushing yourself, you know, people on, you know, your way to the bottom um, or yeah. on your way to prison. You know, it's, 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 you know, and like most actors and, you know, are sociopaths or, you know, and, and are narcissistic. And I mean, you know, you've got to be able to, if you can, rec- I, to me, the big thing is recognizing it. Correct. Like if you can recognize it, then you can pull back. Like an addict. Right. And I, I, I think I've had this conversation with you where it's funny people in the comments say this. They're like, it must have been killing Cox to not talk, to, to sit there and listen to this guy's story. Like they'll say that in the comments. Like, and, and they're, they're right. Like I'm wanting to constantly jump in, jump in, talk about myself, talk about myself. Like I, I used to, when I went to RDAP, you weren't there. Okay, uh, yes, I was oh, there. Were you there. When Remember? you got kicked out? Yes. Yes. Well, no, I didn't get kicked out. I well, signed out twice. Listen, they didn't want you. They <laughs> what happened. But anyway. This so, guy, not only did he go to our RDAP and they didn't happened. want him. That's not what happened. He signed up with uh, the only Caucasian Asian guy. Oh, the guy. <laughs> that, 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 no, that was after I was out of RDAP. Oh, you were out of RDAP? I, was already, I already quit. Remember, okay. I, I got the... I wanted to stay in RDAP so they would keep me at Coleman so they wouldn't move me so to they a move, camp move you. because my mom kept, was coming to see That's me. That's correct. So I kept, I would go in, they put the management variable on me and I'd drop out. Yeah. And then they'd take it off and I'd go back in, they put it back on me and I'd drop out. So, um, but have when, you done an episode? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Have you done an episode on RDAP on no, this but thing? I wrote a book on it. I know you wrote a book on it, but I think, I think these guys will enjoy RDAP. I should do a whole. Of course. I should have somebody here from RDAP. There's a guy I know named RDAP Dan. They you call should, him RDAP Dan. He you should you should uh, even explain what a pull up is and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great. great the book's great. Well, you know, I was in there during the one during the one of the few times when a guy pulled up another guy, and the guy attacked him in RDAP. Swung on him, jumped, <laughs> boom! It was a huge fight. Anyway, my my point is is that when they were doing, they did the psychological evaluation. Uh-huh. Um, so they ask all these questions, and the guy at the very end of the whole thing, he goes, is there anything you would like to get out of RDAP? And I went, yeah, yeah. I said, I would like to be able to have a connection with people at a point where, you know, 
when they're talking, I'm actually listening to them. I said, because I've had entire conversations with people for like, and they've talked for 20, 30 minutes, an hour. And when I walk away, I don't know anything about them. I said, I haven't paid attention at all. And he goes, well, when I go, he goes, well, when other people are talking now, what are you doing? If you're not listening to them, I go, I'm waiting for an opportunity to talk about myself. (laughs) I said, so if I could get to that point where I cared enough about them to pay attention I said that would be a huge, huge deal for me. And this is what and people he, don't. Listen, the guy was just like the 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 DTS was just the look on his face was like I can't believe. And this he is just what people that. don't understand. To commit fraud, you need to be that guy. Oh yeah, because Otherwise, there's a point where you. you are talking so much about yourself and talking so much about yourself that they that people go to at least in my case, that people say, okay, man, I want to be like you. Yeah, they get wrapped, what do I, I do thinking, to they be get like wrapped you? Up, they get wrapped up in the interest of your life and the things that you're doing and how amazing you are. And they get sucked in by, into that whirlpool. Listen, I used to have seminars like I see happening nowadays yeah. on investing in real estate. So these people will pay to hear me talk. And then I will eventually send them to my developments and have them pay to buy there. Well, yeah, there's the huge on YouTube. The huge thing is the gurus. And listen, I remember uh, it, it, it was perturbing because I, I will lead him and lead him and lead him to the point where they will say, "Okay, give us the secret. Where would you put your money?" And right. that was it. And I was okay. I got you. And in prison, it was the same thing. People will say, "Listen, what are you doing? Uh, you're here for fraud, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." Do you mind going for a walk with me on the regular? Course. And I'll be like, yeah. So yeah. they'll talk about, you know, we'll start talking and I'll say, you know, yeah, I used to live here. I used to do this. I used to do that. And I knew it would come in a second. Listen, if you had money to invest. If you had 40 grand, what but, would you do? But, and, and, and you will see me like, you'll see the fangs coming out, you know. If you had money to invest, what would you do? And my first question always was, how much money are we talking about? It's the same so, thing. <laughs> so then they'll say, well, between, you know, Let's say 50 to 100 grand. And I'll say, okay, listen, I'm going to teach you the first lesson you're going to learn in prison. Don't ever tell me how much money you have to invest. And he was like, why not? I said, because the first thing that I thought is how much of that 100 grand I can take from you for me and how much of that you'll be happy with for the next five, six years until you figure out that I just screwed you out of money. Don't do that. But people tend to gravitate towards people like us and open up, mm-hmm. which is, I never understood it. And I have friends in prison who used to tell me, man, why do people talk to you about money? Don't you know that you're here for fraud? And I was like, yeah, but that's how it's always been, you know? And I'm sure it's the same thing with people that are, well, I don't even yeah. have to tell you how many, how many doctors, how many fraudulent doctors we ask in prison. Listen. Can you check me out to see what is wrong with me? I mean, it's just people are drawn to people with their personalities. Yeah. And it's dangerous. Very, very, very dangerous. So, All right. So yeah. I, I'm, I. All right. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> you want to wrap this up? Because uh, only because there's like, there's things I want to ask you, but I think they're off limits. Yeah. For I know now, that there are cases, now. there are things that are going on. That, for now, yeah. but I'm definitely as as things as the dust settles and things right. clear. But when when you were you were incarcerated towards the end, you were you started doing a lot of legal work, right? Like I started were, doing a lot of legal right. work. That's how I ended up in the shoe. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I ended up in the shoe. Because, you were uh, helping the guys get guys get out of ice. Guys get their cases moved along. Yeah, were, okay. and right now, like I work, mm. I, I volunteer for a for a law firm, and my my what I do is I do research for guys that are on detention. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's it's the system is a disaster. Yeah, the system has to change. Yeah, you know? I mean, if the bio if the Bureau of Prison System and the justice system is horrible, I can only imagine what ICE is like. It's yeah, like it's, the, uh, that. This is how they treat you when you're a citizen. Yeah, what if you're listen, not? This is this, this that's that that's like the cream of the crop. Then you go to ICE. I, I used, oh yeah, I yeah. used to always say, look, like the Bureau of Prisons is how the government would treat you if they had total control over you. Like, that's what the system would be like. You'd be moved around, told what to eat, told what to do, when to do this, when to do that. You're, you're, they would give you bare minimum medical. Like, if they had all total control, this is how they would treat you. Well, I'm going to tell you a story that you will appreciate because your sense of humor is a little dark like mine. So, I came here very young to the United States. Right. And uh, I grew up very non-Hispanic. You know, I lived in Minnesota, out of all places, in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Right. So, I always thought I was white. Always, all my life, I thought I was white. Even when I went to prison, I was like, I'm white. You know, I'm with the white folks because I'm white. Well, until I went to ICE and I realized I wasn't white. I'm brown. And uh, so I did seven months there because I'm brown with right. the browns, you know? Yeah, yeah. This, that's what we do. So I come out of pr- uh, ICE and I'm like, okay, so I'm brown. So I realized I'm not white. It was a little, you know, personality issue, but I'm brown. And I'm comfortable with my brownness. But I have friends that are white that know me from when I thought I was white. So the other day I was talking to somebody and he go, and I said, well, you know, because I'm, the big joke, because I'm brown. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and he's like, dude, but you're not brown, you're white. And I said, dude, what the hell are you talking about? I'm brown. And we had a whole argument about why I wasn't brown. And I'm like, dude, but I'm brown and I'm okay with being brown. And he's like, no, but I'm not okay with you being brown because you're white. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the most senseless this is conversation, conversation I have ever had in my life. Uh, that's what the system does. The system kind of segments everything. I mean, it's just, it just gives you a different perception on reality. And uh, yeah, one day we, we have to sit down and we have to talk about, uh, about a bunch of other yeah. things that are going on. Um, so I was going to say, do you remember Red Bull? Uh, Andrew Levinson? Yes. Okay. So he and this guy named One were having an argument one time when Obama, I, I think I've told you this, Obama was president and One was a black guy and Andrew Levinson is obviously a white guy. And so... Who like to have sex with midgets, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think I did hear the story. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> he, uh, so they're having an argument and One is the black guy is saying that Obama is not black and Andrew Levinson Levinson is saying he is black. And so as I'm walking down the hallway, they go, wait, 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 Cox, Cox, come here, come here. You know, they always want you to to settle an argument. Come here, come here. And I go, what's up? And they go, listen, is president Obama, is he black? And I go, and I looked at him and I go, no, he's not black. He's a white guy. And one goes, see, see. And, and Andrew goes, he goes, Levinson goes, he goes, wait, wait, why do you say he's not black? And I go, he doesn't even have a felony. <laughs> and so one just like, he's, so Andrew starts laughing and one's like, gets all upset. I go, what? What'd you expect me to say? Anyway, so that reminds me. Uh, so, and, and people need to understand, 
in, in race in prison kind of goes i mean you have your racial issues and you know that if there's right. ever an argument like matt is my white friend and if there was ever a fight between whites and browns either he's gonna punch me or i'm gonna punch him but that doesn't have anything to do with our friendship you just has to have i remember I, I had white bunkies that used to tell me that you know if there is ever a fight i'm gonna have to beat you up but we're still buddies, right? I mean, after that, we're going to hang out. And I'll be like, yeah. Yeah, right, you just, I just have to ride with my car. I'm just going to have, yeah. You're going to have to be with your people. And I have to, you know, I'll just eat out of a freaking straw for the next two weeks. But then we'll yeah, be cool. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You know, we're friends, whatever. So that racial barrier kind of disappears. When I got out, my kids were like, dad, you're super politically incorrect. I mean, you have to like tone it down a little bit because you're not in prison anymore. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, you know, I earned my stripes and I did my time. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no, 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 no. no. You, you, nobody knows that you just got out of prison. So tone it down a little bit with the racial things because. Oh, yeah, it's so brutal in prison. Like it's so brutal. Like the, the things when I, even when I went into prison, I would have never said things that once I got into prison, after a few years, I'm saying horrible, vicious things. You know, and then when I, I got out of prison, it's like immediately you're getting the looks and you're like, I can't talk like this anymore. Yeah. Like if you look, for instance, saying it took me a while to start saying please and thank you because in prison, nobody says please and thank you. It's like, yo, bro, give me, get, uh, let me get some of that coffee. When I first got there, I'm like, I mean, yeah, some can of you say please? please? Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you say please or what? Man, come on, man. Let me get some of that coffee. Let me get. And you're like, I'm like, God, these guys are, these guys are savages. Listen, like two years later, I'm like, yo, bro, you got any sweet and low? Let, let me get some of that. And I'm like whoa, I got out. Now I'm realizing I have to say thank you and please and be polite and be nice and be like, it's hard to get back used to that. And you know, when you realize you're not that person, when you start dating somebody and you're like, Hey, listen, can you give me that? And they're like, yeah, what, you, you think I'm your maid? Well, yeah, then you yeah. get up and get that. Or when you have an argument, like I will say things like this. And if any, the other day I said, if anybody talked to me like that, when I was in prison, they wouldn't be able to. And say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not in prison. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what? I get to talk to you. However the hell, what are you going to do? Stab me? Shank me? Well, you know, you so, keep my name out your mouth. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. you're, who you, <laughs> you're lucky we're yeah. out in the streets. <laughs> well, what, what, I, um, what I said to Jess the other day, she was, uh, we were, we were doing something. I forget. I looked at, and I, I said, um, she, I, don't, I don't know what she said she was going to do, but I, I said, oh, I said, I wish you would. I wish you would. <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes, she goes, don't get hurt. Okay. <laughs> I'm not about that life no more. That's such a joke now. And Thank I have, God. And I have terms that I have to like, like I went to the doctor a week ago and, uh, and uh, my daughters called me and they're like, dad, where are you? And I say, I'm on medical. And I'm like, oh my God. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm at the doctor. And then I kept saying all day, like, yeah, because I went to medical. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And the Tupperwares. I okay. keep telling them, listen, do you have a bowl? Yeah. And I'm like, it's not called a bowl, man. Sorry, I got it. So yeah. and it's, it's, you know, you, it becomes part of your life. Yeah. Some sh- it's, a, it's a lot of time. Yeah. A decade in prison is a long That's time. a long time. It's a long time. Like I was telling. Uh, yeah, yeah, my butt. Yeah, your yeah, body, body that left. Yeah. Forget about everything else. Forget about the gangs. Forget about the stabbing. Forget about that. I just, just, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching me right now, I want you to imagine the next 10 years without getting laid. Yeah. Without somebody from the opposite sex, obviously, because there is a lot of sex going on in yeah. prison. But uh, just think about that. Just think that somebody told you tomorrow, June 24th, whatever the date is, 
that until the year 2031. Yeah, you can't have sex. You can't have sex again. Yeah. But the other thing about it like this too is um, that, you know, it's like, it's funny how much stuff is, how many people base crimes on their pride and being a man and this and that. Okay, well, you're saying you're being a tough guy and a man. Well, if you get locked up, you're not having sex for 10 years. How much of a man does that make you? That's it. Like, like if you start really breaking it apart, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, you know what? Like, you can't turn the TV. You have to ask permission to t- turn the TV. By the way, you know who's having sex during those 10 years? Your wife. Yeah, exactly. Lots of it. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there is, a, there is a lot of things about prison that people don't think about. The TVs, the lights, the, the bathrooms, the showers, the, yeah. you know. I remember when I took a shower without sandals, without, you know, shower oh. shoes. I was like, my you God, feel, it felt uncomfortable. So it was weird. I was so like, is this, is this even hygienic? It, I mean. For a year, for really six, no, for six months after I got out of the halfway house at four o'clock, I started feeling uncomfortable. Because at four o'clock count, so yeah. I would feel uncomfortable that there, I'm supposed to be in my cell waiting to be counted. And it's like, what cell? What are you thinking? Like mentally, you're just—it's insane. You're, you're it, I'm, it, I'm so. Yeah, it, it plays Going a to the grocery store. All the all the, the stuff you can buy. Like, there's not a commissary. There's not like two items that you can buy in this group or three items. There's. You know, a hundred and fifty. Which Listen, one are you gonna buy? I love going to the supermarket, but I just like I go with the shopping cart and go around and around and around and around. And it's what you said: too many choices. The only aisle that I don't go is the one where they have the ramen noodles. That one I just breeze right through it. But everything else, it's it's just it's different. It's different. It's a different world. Good times. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that you know, like they said, there are a lot of people watch this podcast, and it's really cool to hear the crime stories, and it's cool to see, man, they had a. But because it sucks. we had a lifestyle, yeah. we had a, we had a, it, it, we had, I had a lifestyle, you know, I had, I, man, I, I, I never look at a price tag of anything, anything. I, I right. will go to a restaurant and, and I, listen, I remember many times I will go out with people, with a group of people and I will give my credit card to the waitress when I walked in and I will say, listen, bring that, bring the check in that card because I don't want to be fighting who's going to pay what. Yeah. So I didn't even know they overcharged me. She will just bring the credit card slip. I will sign it, and that was it. I mean, private flights, uh, best yeah, hotel pe- suites. Right. I hear people 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 used to bitch about gas, like the, man, it's a dollar seventy five or it's a dollar. And I never like the things that people thought about back then that I would hear them complain about. It never even occurred to me, like. And then you go back to a shoebox and living off a shoebox for years oh and you're calculating commissary to try and buy like do i have an okay i i can't get the extra <laughs> i don't have enough to get the extra yeah. creamer. it's a dollar 65 and i only have a dollar 25 after all of this stuff and uh, i mean it's an eye opener then you come back and uh like my all my clothes at first they were like monochromatic so there's outfits that i wear that people go dude you look like you're an inmate and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I bought like a prison you, shirt. You, you do understand everybody complains that I wear nothing but white and black shirts. Okay, like, so I, we're on the same boat. Yeah, I, like, I, I wear blue jeans. All I wear is blue jeans, white, or black shirts. That's all I wear. I'm still wearing the same blue jeans that I got when I when I got to the halfway house. I went to Walmart. I bought $300 worth of clothes. I bought four blue jeans. I'm still, I'm still wearing 90% of the time I'm wearing those blue jeans. And I want to tell you one thing. I wouldn't trade this for the world right now. Oh no! It doesn't even matter that you that it's like to yeah. me that I'm I'm just getting by every month. Like I could care less. I can care less, man. I'm I'm happy. I don't have to worry about all this stuff. So yeah, the stories are cool and the lifestyle is cool. And 
you know, going into a place and people knowing about it or going people to people don't a realize how good they have it. Yeah, you got to have you got to be stripped down and have nothing before you can really realize how how what a gift. Listen, what a gift like 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 this. I don't need a TV. I don't really need much. I, I just need this. And it's crazy sometimes. Like I thought I was going to watch it's a lot amazing. of TV when I got out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to catch up with every show. Man, I don't watch TV. No. I, oh, I've been totally broken of that habit. Like, yeah, totally I'm, broken. I'm off that habit The only completely. time I watch stuff is sometimes I'll put in like Netflix, which like I don't even pay for Netflix. Jess pays for Netflix. Like I'm on her account. Like like yeah. I have YouTube Premiere. I'm on somebody else's account. Like, oh, bro, can you add me to your account? Why? Because I don't have enough money left over at the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I put, I'll put on documentaries or I'll put on a TV show. I don't watch it. I listen to it. I'm painting while maybe it's on, but I'm barely even paying attention if I do that at all. So yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean like all these people, oh, I watched the whole series of this. I'm like. And I have people telling me, hey, have you watched the show? No, you have to no. watch it. When I'm do you like, have time? Dude, when, when do you watch these shows? You should be having sex with your girlfriend. You should be having sex with your boyfriend. You think I spent 10 years in prison to come out and watch TV? What, four hours a day of no, TV? No, 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 no. That's, that's, that, that, that comes later. That yeah. comes later if ever. Right now it's, it's catch up time. Catch up with my kids. Catch have up you watched Orange is the New Black? No. I live I live. Orange yeah, Orange is the New Black. Black. And let me tell you, it's not the New Black. It's fucking orange. <laughs> I wore it for six months in the shoe. Orange is orange. That's it. Right. Yeah, man. So listen. Let's wrap it up. Sorry, I mean, you know. I know. Good we're to good. see you, man. We're yeah, going we're to good. continue this. Yeah, yeah. As soon as other things as soon resolve as other themselves. things resolve themselves. And I get a little more. Assuming stable. you don't get go back to um, Venezuela and get hacked up. Well, I remember because this nice guy. In prison, his question for a long time was, how much do you think they will pay me if I tell them where you are? That's not true. That is true, true, and you untrue. know that you used to ask me. Listen, how, so, so they want to kill you, yeah. How much do you think they will pay I me if I tell the them amount. where you are? By that point, I'd so, already contact them. <laughs> so I don't know if this is more like a Listen, ransom right, video that I'm doing right here and it's going to be distributed somewhere they're else. They're waiting or, right now. Yeah. They're waiting right now. I want to come. I, I don't know if I should be getting out of this place you and they're going to be some. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you like the video. Oh, so anyway, this is Juan Sanchez. I'm sure he'll be back. And if you like the video, subscribe, hit the like button, leave a comment for the algorithm, share the video, send it to as many people as you can. And uh, that's it. And I appreciate you watching. And same here. See ya. Hasta mañana.